0: Hello my name is Adrian Goldberg and welcome to Byline Radio or if you're listening on catch up to the Byline Times podcast the Byline Times it's what the papers don't say what radio doesn't report And what telly doesn't tell you. This time, the latest from the January the 6th hearings in Washington, D.C., which has sensationally voted to subpoena former President Donald Trump. This means he will be legally compelled to give evidence. We'll be getting the full story from Heidi Kuda of the Radicalized pod, which you can find on YouTube. Before that, just a reminder byline radio and the byline times podcast are funded by subscriptions to the byline times a must read monthly newspaper which has exclusive content that you can't access online i know that the latest edition has just gone to print And it is good. We can report without fear or favour because there's no billionaire or shadowy corporation telling us what to say. Our funding comes from ordinary subscribers, people like you. So if you can, please subscribe to the Byline Times. you get more details over at bylinetimes.com. Subscriptions start from as little as £3 a month. But if you can become a member, maybe get your name on the front page of the Byline Times. That costs a little bit more but I hope you'll agree it's worth it. More details about subscriptions over at bylinetimes.com. So welcome then to uh, Heidi Kuda. Heidi, was anyone expecting Trump to be subpoenaed?
1: Well, I'm sure there were many of us hoping that Trump would be subpoenaed, and I'm sure many of us were hoping that that would have happened some time ago. It's clear why they went after Trump, because he is viewed as the cult leader and the instigator, and they've said over and over again that he is the central figure of this. And anybody watching today could see that when he finally did tell people to stand down, it was as if a switch was flipped, the cult stood down. That is clearly why he is the focus, but where my heart is heavy, is that we're not fighting against one person, we are fighting against a network. And that network is still in place. I feel like the slow walking of this is a bit terrifying to me, because we are less than four weeks away from an election that will define the future of our democracy, and this network that I'm referring to is still in place. It was lovely to end on the Flynn, the Stone, and the other members of this network who took the fifth, even though these are people who cannot stop spreading propaganda every chance they get in front of a microphone. But when they're under oath, suddenly they clam up. And that tells me a lot about the trouble we're in, so yes, I'm grateful, so grateful to this committee, to their bravery and their pursuit of the truth. But I am still a bit terrified for the future of my country. Mm, That's
0: really interesting to hear this, Heidi. I thought you would be jubilant at the news, but this has been a, a long battle for you personally. You kind of quit mainstream society to become a crusading journalist in this area and know more than most about Trump and the network, as you describe it, of which he is part.
1: Yes, and I think that we have made some major, major missteps in our framework over the last six years. We have siloed off the disinformation assault and the propaganda assault and the the lies, and that aspect of the war from the various other kinetic elements of the war that we're seeing. And to separate that has been a great disservice to people because people are off in their various information silos during an information war, and the people who really need to hear the facts and the truth of the January 6th committee already have a well-orchestrated, pre-programmed disinformation across multiple platforms that will give them comfort to not believe in this, and that will give them comfort to frame Trump as a victim. And we know from the great work of the January 6th Committee that he never believed the election was stolen. Why does he still have the opportunity to continue to tell people that when he knows it's not true, and when he grifted a quarter million dollars off of it, and will continue to still play the victim until, perhaps, like all of Paul Manafort's other clients, he is finally forced to flee the country, or he's finally put under house arrest for corruption. If you follow Paul Manafort's career, and the leaders that he has helped put into power, they don't have good endings because as you know, Adrian, like the leader in the Ukraine where he was working, that was a proxy for Putin. And then a couple of years later, Manafort's working for free in America as the campaign manager for Trump. And what does it look like Trump is to most people who are able to navigate disinformation, another proxy for Putin. So when I talk about this network, I'm talking about people who are creating great harms to the world. And I'm saddened that we just don't have a quicker resolution because we've been saying now for months, years, that the clock is running out. It really is running out. We really do have an election coming up in a few weeks. And as you probably know, this network is assaulting our election systems, our voting protocols. Uh, Secretaries of State are under assault, the election boards are under assault. And so, I expect that Trump has groomed America to get used to saying things like stop the steal. And as Parscale said today, or they pointed out that his former cyber guy, whatever you want to call him, he basically said that Trump had planned to claim, you know, election fraud and theft back in July, six months before the election took place. Yeah, so- and I think that's worth just
0: focusing in on that, Heidi, because that was one of the key pieces of evidence to emerge from the hearings, that Trump planned in advance to cast out on the election. This is what witnesses have said at the January the 6th hearing.
1: Yeah, it's very important to know how much planning was involved and that the network, and I'm talking about General Michael Flynn and Roger Stone, who, according to the January 6th Committee's investigation, were part of these pre-programmed narratives, these pre buttles that took hold. And again, they showed violent online rhetoric and they showed what people were saying, on a pro-Trump web page. Well, all of that was happening on Parlor and still happening today on the telegrams. And we, again, have made this huge mistake of not taking the propaganda networks and the disinformation, this digital poison that's being pumped out into the information sphere seriously enough, and now, you know, when I talk about having a heavy heart, you know, the news breaks that Google is giving quote unquote Truth Social, the ability to have its own app. That is nothing but a radicalization engine. So what are we doing? I understand we have this beautiful First Amendment and it is so incredible to live in a country that has the kind of freedoms of the press that we have enjoyed, but we have enemies that have been viewing our freedom of the press as a weakness and exploiting it and doing so for years with this network that I'm referring to. And you have to just look at a country like Russia, which we know we have ample documentation on how many years we have been under siege on our platforms, from large-scale subversion operations, that's a country with no freedom of speech, so we are continually allowing our freedoms to be exploited. And after all the work that the January 6th committee has done, the fact that Donald Trump, this cult leader, is going to be able to go out and continue to spread his propaganda. And you've seen the escalation, Adrian. we've talked about it. They literally have, you know, people now with their arms in the air, reminiscent of the 1930s. What is next? And my colleagues, who are always sifting through the information narratives or the disinformation narratives on the telegram, say that there is an escalation of chatter about violence. Michael Flynn, the retired general going on various propaganda outlets, continually using radicalization language and telling people to show up and be poll watchers and doing it in a way that's very menacing. So what happens when people who want to vote go to polls and they're met by a wall of resistance or people who are armed? I mean, this is, I can't even believe that I'm saying this about America. It's not that I'm not grateful. I am very grateful. I'm grateful we live in a country that can have this kind of investigation because lots of countries around the world would not allow this. But I just feel like they made it about one man because he was the center of it, and I get that, but this entire network is still out there and nothing's being done to stop it. And, you know, that is my concern.
0: At the hearings, there was discussion of Trump considering going to Washington, D.C., and going to the Capitol, wasn't there? And the Secret Service were really concerned about this and feared that it would escalate the situation from a normal democratic moment into something quite violent. Now, thankfully, in the event, Trump decided not to go. would have been very, very volatile yes. had he gone.
1: His inaction led to all of that violence. First, there was the escalation of the rhetoric, and keep in mind, when they replayed the audio of the conversation he had with Georgia leaders, keep in mind, that is a professional propagandist projecting what he's doing onto somebody else. So that we ever underestimated Trump as a propagandist is a huge disservice, and I have seen more and more parallels between Trump and Berlusconi and some of these other classic authoritarian types. And that is one of the things that I want to bring up. We have had weapons-grade disinformation spread throughout our country and continues to be spread. And so many people really don't have any defenses from it. But people who read books, people who understand history, they can see the patterns, and they might have a little bit more of a, you know, armor against it. But one of the things that was debunked in today's hearing was, of course, we got to see Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, she was such grace under pressure. I could not believe how she was able to continue to be composed during this incredible escalation of violence that was happening around them. And at one point, when she says, do you believe this? I thought, you know, what a great summation. Like, who would have ever thought we would be here? But there was disinformation spread that she never made any effort to get it under control. Well, we saw her on the phones trying to get it under control. And I honestly, uh, I'm an emotional person. And I, yeah, I wept during that part, because it was like, you know, this is my country. And that's how close we came and why I'm, You hear the quiver in my voice still as I know that we are not out of the woods, and we are seeing things that we never expected to see. We're seeing distractions at the highest level right now. We're watching, you know, billionaires that people used to think were cool clearly spread Russian propaganda. And all of this stuff is happening daily and very fast. And also, I don't think there's any way to really talk about what happened on January 6th without really just looking at how what happened in Ukraine is foreshadowing everything that's happening in America. You know, there was disinformation, and then there was lack of protection for the country as Russia moves in and makes its move. I'm feeling the same thing happening here, and I'm, when, whenever I talk to the people, the Ruth ben Giats or the Jason Stanleys or the Dave Troy or the guys on my team, we all see the same thing. We are seeing the kinetic part of our war in the forms of little green men who look different than what we saw in Ukraine eight years ago. But Mm -hmm. this continual slow walking of justice, continual inaction, Trump will be able to play the victim again, or he'll do what his colleagues did and plead the fifth, or what has always been my hope and my prediction is that he will do what Manafort's previous client did and just flee to Moscow as he leaves utter devastation in his wake.
0: Your perspective, Heidi, I think is so important for us on both sides of the Atlantic to understand because central to your argument is that to deal with Trump as one rogue individual is to miss the point. Join the dots.
1: I mean, that is that beautifully stated. He was the avatar du jour, who was able to gather the money together, the people together. He had enough charisma for having been on television and a reality TV star that people had buy-in. And then the network picked Mike Pence to give him this air of legitimacy, to please the religious fundamentalists or those who were single-issue voters or those who were just concerned about their judges, and to give Trump some sort of air of respectability. It never made any sense, but it makes sense from a strategic point of view. And then I think one of the great sorrows, again, that came out of today was knowing that this guy was hand-picked. You know, somebody that I had investigated for many, many years, Donald Trump, always my investigations would evidence out that he would be on the side of a Ponzi scheme or a pyramid scheme and always settling out of the court on the courtroom steps right before any admission of guilt, and that was his pattern. But to see that he so coldly and calculatedly knew that Mike Pence was about to be murdered by the mob that he stirred up, and that he knew was violent, and he knew they were armed. And what did he do? Shrugged, did nothing, acted like he deserved it. So this guy who, you know, had been put in place to give him that legitimacy, and had done everything that he was supposed to do for those four years, when he goes against the network and doesn't stand in the way of the certification of a legitimate election, he's disposable.
0: He didn't come to that just in case anybody doesn't know.
1: Feet away. He was only feet away from the mob. There was only a, a, a few yards that separated him from this mob.
0: And, Heidi, you talked about some of Trump's accomplices or colleagues, people like Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro. They have been subpoenaed, like Trump, to appear before this committee. As you say, they took the fifth. They they said they would not talk, they would not incriminate themselves. Now, in Bannon's case, I know that he's been found guilty of contempt. But as far as I'm aware, he's he's not yet in jail, is he?
1: No, he's supposed to be sentenced uh, later this month. And again, in today's hearing, you know, they showed Bannon on his show cavalierly saying he's not going out easy. Trump is going to do some crazy shit. And then the day before, all hell is going to break loose. Strap in, it's game day, you know, like they were... Uh, narrating a football game. And unfortunately, for so many people, this has been. You know, this has been a bit of a game. They want their team to win. And I think, again, we I know you and I, as reporters, we try to always work in the world of facts. Ever since this war came down and I pressed send on my first anti-Trump blog, I knew I had a bias, and my bias was truth. And I was going to stick to that bias of truth because I was seeing all of this stuff swirling around, that post-fact, you know, post, post-facts post world or alt-facts world. And unfortunately, we have allowed mind-bending reality to, again, metastasize. And I'm telling you, I am in the beautiful state of California. I am in the glorious area of Southern California. And it is very difficult for me to have conversations with people beyond how's the weather because within moments they will be throwing out key words and I will go, oh, that person's been psyoped by QAnon. And that is just a fact. And on my show on Radicalized, we just interviewed Brianna Wu. She was the target of vitriolic hate and psychological terrorism that bled into her real life during the Gamergate period. And she literally, in 2014, begged the FBI to do something about it, and they did not. And that grew into the alt-right, and that grew into QAnon, and that grew into Trump getting into the White House, and that directly led to the January 6th insurrection, because our inaction did not protect people from these harms. And guess what? The people that had been a part of that scenario, ended up with formal roles in the White House, people like Steve Bannon. So we have had a problem with our online ecosphere for some time now, and I am not confident that we are doing anything about it with the urgency that it deserves.
0: On Truth Social, which is the social media site that Trump favors these days, he said, why didn't the Unselect committee asked me to testify months ago. Why did they wait until the very end, the final moments of their last meeting? Because the committee is a total bust that has only served to further divide our country, which, by the way, is doing very badly, a laughing stock all over the world. So clearly he's not in any mood to be repentant. And we just wait and see, Heidi, whether when he is summoned, he does give evidence or whether, like Steve Bannon, he takes the fifth maybe even accepts perhaps a a small jail term or attempts to fight a jail term in a contempt of court hearing rather than be forced to answer some of the big questions that would no doubt be put to him by the committee.
1: Well, once again, we have to look toward history. What happened when Hitler was in jail? He wrote a book. It didn't end well. So, this is a man who I've said before, and this is really a quote from Ruth Ben-Ghiat, the incredible uh, historian on Italian fascism. He will run from prison. He, If he does go to prison, he will try to become president from prison. There's no shame, uh, there's no morality, it's a danger to even say what he says and to quote what he says, and we must learn from our friends in Ukraine who are fighting on behalf of the world for freedoms and democracies to continue. They do not, in the media, report what propagandists say or what Kremlin operatives say without saying, Russian proxy said, Russian asset said, Russian cutout said, or whatever it is, Russian spy said, So, there isn't this confusion on whether or not what somebody is saying is legitimate. And so, we have had a big problem here with our media and whether they're complicit or lazy or part of the normalization process, but they allowed people like Paul Manafort, who was widely known from running what was called the torturers' lobby for the clients that he had, the unsavory clients that they had, they reported on him like he was just Trump's campaign manager. They didn't say, Russian proxy Paul Manafort or Yanukovych's employee. They didn't say any of that, so people were very confused. And they still are confused. And if we don't start saying things like that, like convicted felon or pardoned convicted felon, uh, Michael Flynn, Roger Stone, we have to put a framework around these people or we're going to continue to parrot propaganda And as we learned from our friend Masha Gessen, lying is the message. We don't have immunity to these lies unless we really seek them out.
0: Do you think it is a a willful blindness on the part of the media or even the judiciary? I'm sitting on the other side of the Atlantic from you, Heidi. Some of me is in awe of the processes in the United States that allow a corrupt former president to be held to account in this way. I think it speaks so well of the American Constitution. At the same time, Trump was allowed to spread lies, and as you say, he's allowed to continue spreading lies. He spread lies all the way to the White House, and he spread them all the way again and was involved, it would seem, in a conspiracy which ended in violence at the Capitol. So, is the failure to join the dots willful ignorance or just as you suggest, maybe laziness?
1: It's not a one size fits all answer. We've had journalism deserts throughout the country that have now been filled with propaganda outlets. And that is a big tragedy. And that is our failing because we allowed, you know, half a dozen corporations to buy up all our media. I sent off a couple articles to a reporter this morning that I had done for Byline Times, and she nearly cried. She's like, oh my God, real journalism still exists. And she's a reporter, so she gets it. Mm. Because there isn't an opportunity to do the kind of work that we do independently at Byline Times uh, in very many places. So we have to really treasure it. Let's just take a quick look at the time that we had a president who was under contract to NBC. Okay, and let's just take a look at the people who led the networks. So you got a guy who's under contract to NBC who, you know, uh, has an executive who then jumps over to CNN. And what are they going to do? This is this is their guy probably made him a lot of money. What are they going to do? So is it complicit? Is it just the fact that they gave Trump two billion in free advertising and that earned the cable news networks two hundred billion dollars? Is it just money? I don't know, but when you look at CBS in 2016 and famously the head of CBS at the time, Les Moonves, said, Well, you know, the Trump campaign may not be good for America, but it's damn good for CBS. So what does that serve? I got into reporting back in the before times. We got into this business like cops and firefighters. It was part of a, a civic duty. It was not about get-rit schemes. It was not about huge Bill O'Reilly type contracts. Roger Ailes was a real poison to our country, Fox continues to be a real poison to our country. We have all these propaganda networks that have very patriotic-sounding names, but they spew Kremlin propaganda all day. And you know, I will go back to what the former president of Estonia said, which it just echoes in my head all the time. It's just not one politician that's captured by Putin, it's many. And so here we are wondering what this infection is in our country and looking to the January 6th committee to please cure it and please heal us. And I'm grateful for their work, for their diligence, for the fact that they used Republicans to tell the messaging so it wasn't political. And I understand why they focused on Trump, because he is the person who is the leader of this Let's just call it a cult because that's what it appears, you know to to have all the uh, earmarks of. but we have done nothing to stop this network. And I will be reporting, and I know you will too, and all of our friends, you know, as much as we possibly can, but I am I am just seeing our country continually under siege and a subpoena of Trump is a is a great day, but this whole process has been so, slow walked that I still don't know if on November 9th we have a democracy.
0: One other thing I want to ask you about, Heidi, before we finish was the revelation in the Washington Post that an employee of Donald Trump has testified that he ordered confidential documents to be removed from the storage room at Mar-a-Lago, his Florida home before FBI agents searched the property. Now Trump made a great show of shock and outrage at the raid in August on Mar-a-Lago, but it seems that he knew about it and attempted to forestall what the FBI was doing.
1: We've we're dealing with a corrupt bastard, you know. He's been a mob boss for many years. All you have to do is read any of Craig Unger's work from Trump in the 80s to see who this person is and how he has continued to stress test the laws in our country all these decades. So sure, why not? We hear from a Twitter employee who bravely showed her face today, and I'm so grateful to her. It was very clear from the chatter, uh, Mike Pence might be murdered, so why wasn't Trump doing anything? I don't know what more we need. I think that we have seen enough bloodshed. I think that we have seen enough anti-science rhetoric to the tune of losing so many people in our country unnecessarily. We've seen enough, and we know enough about this man to know that he should not be walking freely among the population here in America, continuing to radicalize people, whether online or at his... Rallies, which have now clearly escalated to what looks exactly like fascism, only with smaller crowds.
0: (laughs) Heidi, really appreciate it, not just tonight for your contribution, but for your years of fighting to make sure that the world understands the truth about Donald Trump and the people around him. Thank you. Great to hear from Heidi. And don't forget, you can read Heidi both at bylinetimes.com. You can also listen to Heidi on the Radicalised Pod. That's Radicalised spelled with a Z, the American spelling, and pod. Not podcast, just pod. Radicalised Pod, which is available via YouTube. I'm Adrian Goldberg. And don't forget, you can support Byline Radio and the Byline Times podcast by taking out a subscription to the Byline Times. Better still, become a member and you get your name on the front page of the Byline Times, which is really, really cool. So go and get your subscription details over at BylineTimes.com. That's at BylineTimes.com. And thanks also to Harvey White. who does some fantastic work helping to produce Byline Radio and the Byline Times podcast as well. We'll see you all again very soon. For now, though, thanks for listening. Thank okay. you. Bye, Heidi.